Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 141. Baseball season is, I mean, we're not quite at the dog days of summer. That's, that's after the All-Star break, but we're definitely finding some consistency here. We're going to talk about it all. Top 10 second baseman. And we know the Nuggets are in the finals. Their first time ever. Yep. Probably going to be against the Heat, but uh, we got a lot of basketball to talk about too in the second half. So should be a good one. Yeah, we're going to be splitting the episode up. Uh, first half basketball, second half slash halftime. Or first half baseball, yes. second yeah. half uh, slash halftime will be uh, basketball. So uh, there's that. But we're always going to start it off with the opener. And my opener is going to be... Someone I talked about every single week, it feels like that's Esteri Ruiz, who is running away with the stolen base title right now. Over the last 30 days, he has 19 stolen bases. Next closest person has 11. That's Whit Merrifield. And then just looking at the totality of the entire year in 2023, he's five steals ahead of everybody with 24 right now. Ronald Acuna is at 19. And then the next closest person has 14. So it looks good for Estuary. As long as he stays healthy, the stolen base title will be his this year. And he is competing for that rookie record held by Kenny Lofton when he stole 69 bags in whatever year that was. Respect. Well, my best thing that I saw this week, some football-related news. Voluntary OTAs here for the Jets have started. Everyone's there. It you know, scared me for sure when – What's his name? Don Cliveman. It's it's pretty much a a bot that sends uh, out NFL news, and it was all wrong. They said uh, Lazard left practice with a major injury. He just got hit in the balls and missed one play. He he came back on Twitter, and they said um, Rogers had a, a lower body injury that was massive. He came and talked after practice and said he's just a little sore because he's forty. So um, after we got that all cleared up, it's it's just good. Even Zach Wilson's in a good mood, playing well. Beckton is. Um, is there not playing because he, he doesn't have to. It's voluntary, but he's there hanging out. It's just Quentin Williams. He's not there yet because we got to pay him. And I like we, you know, expected it probably won't happen for a couple months. So I'm not worried. But a pretty good uh, OTA start for the Jets, if there even can be a good start. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll talk about the Raiders now since. Yeah, go ahead. You kind of did a bit of the Jet report there. Uh, nothing much with the Raiders. Uh, last few weeks that we've seen the uh, like Ricky Panini picture thing that goes on every single year. It's always yeah. super, super awkward just seeing some of the guys that are in that. Uh, but Michael Mayer looks massive. And he was making Laporta, uh, the tight end that the Lions drafted in the second Iowa, round as well, yeah. look extremely small. He made him look like he was a punter. So uh, I'm pumped up for Michael Mayer. Aiden O'Connell was there as well, too, as long as as well with Tyree Wilson, who was, it was actually his birthday when nice. that stuff was going down. But, uh, yeah, man. I Unrelated, mean, but I like me some Aiden we'll O'Connell for sure. <laughs> we'll see if he's playing. If uh, Jimmy yeah. G gets hurt, it's probably the only way that he's even stepping on the, the field. Maybe maybe even not even then because Brian Hoyer is probably oh, the that's guy true. who's that's playing. True. So, uh, I don't know. New England West. What's going on over here? So that's the Raider report. Uh, I assume this stuff will continue to slowly ramp up as we get into June, July with training camp and all that stuff kind of being around the corner. 
And then, of course, oh, preseason yeah. and the regular season still being like four months away. So uh, there's that. Let's go ahead and get into where's your head at, where we are continuing our positional rankings across the MLB. We did catcher two weeks ago. We did first baseman last week. Can you guess what we're doing this week? It's the second baseman. Uh, Next week, kind of undecided. Do we go the traditional four to five with the third baseman? Or we just go the diamond to shortstop? I'm a, you know, not like a geezer, but I'm definitely on the side of traditional baseball. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I'm cool with third baseman next week. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, before we get right into the list, any honorable mentions that you want to talk about before uh, we get into the top ten? Absolutely. This is a, a position that's definitely gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. So uh, I want to shout out first off, Haas Young Kim, defensive wizard. I had to shout him out. He's, you know, he's great at every position he plays. And then some other guys who, uh, you know, the bat's still going, but just not the all around game, or maybe they're, they're not yet playing every day. Guys like Jonathan India, Adam Frazier, Bryson Stott had, had pretty good starts. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mentions I want to mention, uh, first up is Jonathan scope. He's a terrible hitter, but he's been the best defensive player in the MLB over the last year and a half, uh, 29 outs above average. So that leads MLB by three. Somehow a lot of people want to guess that's the best defensive player in all of baseball, but he is, uh, Trevor story out for the season, uh, had a rough year last year, but he's obviously a guy who has been on not the second baseman list before because he's been playing shortstop, yeah. but uh, will be mentioned if he returns back healthy and kind of gets back in and going with things uh, in Boston next year. Jonathan India, a guy I love to watch play, uh, just not in the top 10, unfortunately. Glaber Torres uh, did not make my list. I think the defense is a little bit too low, but he is still an honorable mention because he's a pretty good hitter. Yeah. Uh, Whit Merrifield and Santiago Espinal, a couple of Blue Jay infielders. Espinal is having a really rough year, but was an all-star last year. Whit Merrifield, kind of a slow year last year. Starting to pick things up this year, uh, but been one of the better players at, at second base over the last five to six years there. And then a few prospects I want to mention before we get into it as well, who obviously are not on the list quite yet. Uh, but will be on the list or could be on the list once they get into the MLB over these next, uh, you know, five to 10 years. Uh, Tamar Johnson, we all know mm-hmm. that. He yeah. is probably the biggest lock that we'll have on here. Uh, Edward Julian or Julian, however you want to, I don't know exactly how to say his name. I uh, can spell a little weird. Uh, but second baseman for the Minnesota Twins came up this year. Ben Hurt got sent down, all that stuff. But, uh, he will probably be on this list at some point. Did really well in the WBC. Justin yeah. Boscu, uh, second baseman prospect for the Rangers. I believe he's 24 right now. He's in AAA. Should be up probably at some point this year, just with the Rangers and how they're doing right now. You know, you it's kind of tough to plug in a guy uh, when you have Josh Young, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, and Nathaniel Lowe in your infield. Uh, and then Zach Galoff is the last one as well, too. Uh, prospect for the A's. Been playing... Can, Completely at second base this year, so we don't have to worry about him going over to third base. Actually, we'll see because they tend to do that stuff. But Zach Galoff, another guy who could and hopefully will be on this top 10 list uh, in the coming years. Good call with the prospects. I uh, I left him out. I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. We'll see where we put Jackson Holiday on this list. I know, we'll right? see the shortstops. Uh, <laughs> super prospect. Maybe we'll talk more about Jackson Holiday. The Shohei part of this episode. But uh, let's get into number 10. 
Skyler, who is your 10th best second baseman in the league right now? I got Cattel Marte of the Diamondbacks. He's not the same guy, but we still see flashes of what we thought he was going to turn into. It's still a respectable triple slash for a second baseman. He still gets on base, hits for good enough power, so we makes the list. Cattell is probably another guy that I should have put in my honorable mentions because uh, he did not make my list. The defense was just a little too low for me. That's fair. Uh, Unfortunately, this doesn't make too much sense because my number 10 guy is a guy who is the lowest qualified defender at second base and shortstop over the last two years. And that is Jorge Polanco with negative 12 outs above average. He was hurt at the beginning of this year, but is completely fine since he came back. He was really good last year as well, too. Uh, WRC plus sitting around 120, I believe that's like eighth or ninth or something like that over these past year and a half. Uh, good all-around hitter, and uh, just the defense brings him down a little bit comparative to where his hitting stats would show him as. Uh, moving on to number nine. Number nine, I got Nico Horner of Chicago. He's still qualified at second, even though he he's, he plays everywhere. Uh, but he's always played amazing defense. But this year, he's been an on-base machine, too. And if he can keep that up at the top of the lineup, that's a top 10 second baseman. That's all you can ask for from the position. Yeah, I don't know why Nico Horner didn't show up on any of these huh. lists. What position is he playing this year? He's playing second, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. I should have put him on this list somewhere. Yeah, probably, I missed Polanco on my part. list. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe we uh, we blame the yeah. websites we went to. You know what? I'll put, <laughs> I'll tell you where I put Horner. I yeah. don't know why I missed him. He just didn't pop up on here. Uh, but number nine, I had Jake Cronworth. Uh, he is pretty much average everywhere. You know, solid defensive player, solid hitter, solid speed, all that stuff, you know, five tool player, but like not to the highest ability of each of the tools. So whatever you want to call that solid all around player though, Jake Cronworth. He's just a guy. Yeah. Uh, number eight, my number eight is going to be Jeff McNeil, another on base machine. Uh, he's really clutch too. He he just belongs in the top 10. I know it's, it's not great fielding at second. He's a little better in left, but he's still qualified here. So he makes the list. Yeah. Uh, I guess eight would be around where I put Nico Horner. Okay. Uh, but the guy that I have at eight is going to be Brandon jury. He is having an interesting year. He's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs so far. So he hasn't really stayed consistent since he became an angel, uh, but he had a really good year last year, uh, WRC plus at 117. So just below Polanco on there, but the defense is a bit better sitting at 73rd percentile when it comes to second baseman this year, uh, Brandon jury, solid all around player, uh, and has really actually started to come around from his, you know, really high prospect days back when it was like six, seven years ago with Arizona, yeah. uh, number seven. I just want to say before number seven, I'm I'm really liking that our lists are completely different so far. That's pretty cool. But uh, minus seven is going to be Brandon Lowe from uh, from Tampa Bay. The power is ridiculous. It's it's definitely the best on this list. But I'm not sure I can trust him anywhere else compared to some of the younger guys. So he drops down a little bit than the usual top five second base ranking for Brandon Lowe. But um, but he's still seven. It's a respectable list of your position, right? Low did not make my list. I think the average is a little bit too low, uh, ironically. Uh, 
has a ton of power. Defense isn't, you know, great either. Uh, but obviously something to note about. So I guess an honorable mention for him yeah. as well, too. Uh, number seven for me, though, is going to be Tyro Estrada, who has absolutely turned it up this year after having a bit of a, I want to say a slow year last year, but just not the same level as how good he's been this year. He's breaking out, to so to speak. Uh, this year, though, or, or over the last two years combined, the 112 OPS, uh, walk percentage down at 5.7 is pretty low, but the strikeout percentage is below 20. So it's not like, you know, striking out a ton of not walking at all. Yeah. And when you look at just his, his uh, what is it, basic stats or whatever, six homers this year, 12 stolen bases, hitting above 300, 829 OPS. Been a really good player and also above average defensively. So Giants finally got their guy at second base after Joe Panic left six years ago. Number six. Yeah, number six where I got Tyro Estrada of the Giants. Um you know, like you were saying, he he's always been an above replacement level player. His five years bouncing around different places, but now he's finally settled in. He has an actual home, and it's you know, like you said, even just looking at the basic stats, his extra base hit—he almost has as many extra base hits as he did last year playing the whole season. Uh, he's just finally raking. Everything else was fine. Uh, now he makes the list. He can hit. Yeah. Number six is going to be where I put the best contact hitter in the entire MLB Louise Arise. Uh, I'm a big Louise Arise guys, so I'm kind of shocked that I put him this low. Uh, but I just think the other guys on this list either have mm-hmm. the ability to get a lot better or are already better than him right now. Uh, but Louise Arise, you know, the strikeout percentage at 6.6% is like unreal. He's hitting 380 this year. Over the past two years combined, it's 136, so, or not OPS, uh, WRC Plus. It's obviously very, very good. Just a fun player to watch hit. I'll, I'll say that. And, uh, yeah, so Luis Arez coming in at number six. Number five. Number five, I got the new rising star of the position, Nolan Gorman. Leads all second baseman in OPS this year. Just, just raking a big part of why the Cardinals have been so good, and that that's another team that we're going to talk about right after this. Yeah, uh, Nolan Gorman is also the guy that I have at number five, uh, the best hitter at the position right now in the league. Obviously, Altuve not playing. Yeah, before this weekend makes it a little interesting, to kind of say that. So we'll see how Altuve ends up having his season go. And if maybe the 30, 32 year old kind of starts slowing down a little bit for him. Uh, but Nolan Gorman's been the best second base hitter in the entire league. Unfortunately, he is also the worst defensive second base yeah. in the league. So that's <laughs> why he's not, you know, number two or number three for being the best hitter. His defense is absolutely horrible. Uh, eventually, we'll probably see him take over DH spot or move over to first base, depending on how long Goldie's got. Uh, but Nolan Gorman, I mean, he's got 40 homer power, and he's really fun to watch hit. So, uh, yeah, he, he finds his spot at finds himself at the five spot despite being the worst defensive player on this list. Yeah, uh, number four. Uh, even though Nolan Gorman could be a 40 power guy. It's not there yet, so I, I can't pretend that he has it. So Luis Arias gets the nod because the man just rakes. Uh, he's probably going to lead the league in average again. He, he's still still got a massive lead. And um, new home, don't care. Yeah. Luis Arias. Don't matter. 
Uh, number four for me is going to be a guy who's having a really rough year this year, but we expect to kind of turn it around here in a little bit. And that is Andres Jimenez, one of my favorite players in the big leagues to watch play. He's a super, I want to say five tool guy, because uh, the power isn't 100% there, but the speed's there, the contact's there, the gloves there, the arms there, all that stuff. Uh, 124 WRC plus over the last year and a half ranks at one or at ranks at number five over the entire list. So, you know, the bats there when he's not slumping like he is right now. And the defense is among the best at the position, not named Jonathan scope. So, uh, under Jimenez finds himself at the number four spot. If you, if you remember last week, I believe he was my get ready to learn Japanese guy. So he is not on my list. That's too bad for my, my reasons that I said they had Rosario. That's who, sorry, sorry, Rosario, my bad, Jimenez, my bad. So sorry, Cleveland fans all over. Brian. Cleveland, this one's for you. Number three, Ozzy Albies. It's down a little bit. It, it's not the year he wants right now. He's only hitting 250. But to have 20 homer power at second base is really valuable. Uh, I'm still keeping him at number three. I believe he could turn the rest around because uh, he's clutch, man. Switch hitter, too. That helps. I'm not an Albies guy. Uh, he, he'd probably be right around 11 on this list for me. So another guy that doesn't quite make it, uh, had a really rough year last year before getting hurt. And then this year, I mean, he's been solid, but, uh, I think there's other guys who qualify above him on this list. Uh, number three for me is going to be where I put Marcus Semien, uh, one of the best all around players. In the big leagues, uh, he's been, you know, streaky. I get, I guess that'd be one of his, you know, things that isn't too good about him. Yeah. Uh, but when he's going, this dude is really, really fun to watch. He's got 25 stolen base potential, 35 to 40 homer potential when he's going right. I uh, can hit above 300. And over this past year and a half, he's sitting at not in a great spot completely for WRC plus, but still. A really fun player to watch hit. So uh, Semyon gets a three spot for me on the number two. Marcus Semyon at the two spot. Uh, since he's left Oakland and moved to second base full time, top two in the position in offensive and defensive F war. And um, I, you know, not necessarily saying F war is more reliable. I just happened to go to fan graphs to sort this. So that's what it was. And like you said, he's been streaky. But the streak has been mostly hot in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. He had that like really slow start in yeah. both seasons. But besides that, I mean, he's been he's been completely fine at doing what he does. Uh, number two for me is going to be Jeff McNeil. He is a hit king. He had the batting title a couple years ago. He's been great ever since. Uh, strikeout percentage, super low. Walk percentage. Isn't the greatest, but that's kind of what you see with these guys. The defense is solid as well, too. Eight, out, eight outs above average, ranks fifth over the last year and a half. Uh, and the bat, it ranks tied for second with Louisa Rice, uh, according to WRC+. Number one. So we both got Altuve still here. I'm glad we're on the same page um, because I think Semyon's actually knocking on the door here. But Altuve, I get 328 homers last year. MVP votes every year except for one in his Houston run. Uh, that's crazy for a second baseman. That's never happened before. 
Uh, yeah. He's still he's still at the top, and I know he's been hurt, and he could come back a different player. He could, but right now I don't believe bad. it yet. <laughs> Especially as an A's fan, I don't believe that yet for one yeah. bit. King Altuve, he sits at number one. The WRC plus, he has a twenty-seven point lead on anybody else in that category. Sitting at one sixty-three, uh, walks well, doesn't strike out. The defense has dipped a little bit over time. But it's not to worry because offense has only gotten better and better uh, since he came into the league. It's the best second baseman. Uh, that's all I really got. Uh, so I guess a little foreshadow for next yeah. week. Uh, we'll, we'll be looking at guys like Max Muncy, Raphael Devers, uh, Jake Berger. Will he find the list? Because he's been hitting bombs this year. Josh Young, the rookie. Is Matty Chapstick back at the top? Matty Chapstick's up there. Uh, Nolan Arenado finally got going. Austin yeah. Riley getting paid a shit ton to be mid, mid. right now. Uh, <laughs> Alex Bregman, Jose Ramirez, Gunnar Henderson, Manny Machado, Brett Beatty. There's some dudes on that list. Uh, just get ready for that. That's going to be a fun one next oh, week. Yeah. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the Rangers. Because the Rangers have been going to town. Recently, they uh they just swept the Rockies this weekend. I don't think any of those games were particularly close. I think they scored like ten runs in every single game. They currently hold a one oh six plus run differential, which is second in the league, just behind, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays. They hold yeah. a one game lead over the Houston Astros right now. They have a deep team. They're fun to watch. Are they? a world series contender scatter, or is this just Texas being Texas in May 23rd? I should have phrased this question. Is Texas back? That's what I should have done. Cause that would have been perfect. Yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, Texas is back in my opinion. I think they absolutely can go on a run. Uh, and it's not just that one stat you said. It's about 95% of all offensive stats. They're the number two lineup in baseball behind Tampa. That seems pretty clear right now. And it's a top five pitching staff, too. The one problem I have is there's no way you can rely on your rotation to throw this many innings all year. It's just a reminder. It's guys like Jacob deGrom, Nathan Abaldi, John Gray, Martin Perez, Andrew Heaney. All have had major injuries in the, the recent couple of years. I think they're going to come up just short, but it's no fluke. Yeah. Uh, I think this, this team has a really good ability to be a hundred win team and be really good in the regular season. Uh, Cause when you look at it, the rotation, I mean, Eovaldi's been really, really good so far, but yeah. the Grom's been hurt. Heaney, Gray and Martin Perez have all been absolutely studs uh guys who would normally be like a three starter four starter yeah. type guys on on really really good teams the bullpen's been solid however i don't know just looking at the guys in their bullpen if that's really going to remain consistent with it the lineup looks like it should be completely fine jonah hive's been amazing nathaniel Lowe starting to heat up marcus Semyon. josh young ezekiel duran Corey seager just came back off of injury uh Tavares, Garcia, you know, they got guys up and down through the entire lineup that are going to be above average hitters. So I think the lineup is fine. Just when I look at the rotation, 
And when you look at other teams' rotations that are going to be, you know, in in it when it's all said and done, you know, at that ALCS, late ALDS type teams, I just don't think their pitching staff holds up. So uh, That's fair. I don't think they're 100% legit quite yet. If DeGrom comes back healthy and he shows us that he's going to be healthy, then yeah. But I just don't see that right now with DeGrom. So uh, I'm saying no for right now. But I think they're going to be a very good regular season team. Um, moving on to St. Louis. They have been horrendous in the beginning part of the season. But they've gone 7-3 and three over the last 10. And they're starting to turn some heads around. And only five games out of the division right now sitting at 21-28. and 28. Of course, that is in you know, the lackluster NL Central. But are the St. Louis Cardinals back? Yeah, I think they're back. Uh, you know, shout out to my theory about all five central teams somehow being in play till the end, because I think it's that's even more realistic, uh, you know, especially if Cincinnati doesn't fall off yet. Um, but the, the lineup's on fire. It's a big reason. Guys like Gorman, we just talked about, it's on fire. Arenado's back. Goldschmidt just won the MVP, and he hasn't gotten worse. It's a big reason why they won 11 out of 14. And it's just another team with questionable pitching. It's it's a really bad rotation so far this year, but also a really good bullpen. So that's going to keep them afloat until at least September. And then we can reevaluate them then because I think everyone in the central is going to be too jumbled to make this kind of decision. So, yeah, they're alive. That's as far as I'll go right now. Yeah, uh, I think it's fair to say that St. Louis is back. Uh, my prediction for them is that they won the division. And then once they get to the playoffs, they kind of collapse because the pitching isn't quite there. I yeah. still think that holds true uh, unless they make some crazy move at the trade deadline. Uh, but when you look at their lineup over the last, you know, 15 days and you, if you're curious that they're back or not, just look at their lineup. Nolan Arenado's hitting 370 with six homers over the last 15 days. Nolan Gorman, six homers, hitting 432 over the last 15 days. Tommy Edmonds hitting 385. Paul DeYoung has six homers, hitting 261 over that time period. Paul Goldschmidt's been slow. Contreras has been slow. And Newpar's been slow. But things are starting to turn it around for those other guys at the top of the lineup with DeYoung, Edmond, Gorman, Arenado. Uh... So, yeah, I mean, this team just has to be relatively consistent with stuff. And obviously, you know, we're not going to see Nolan Gorman hit 432 and Edmund hit 385 and Arenado hit 370 the rest of the year. They're just but pros. Things level out. They're professional you know? hitters. Exactly. So uh, winning the division seems probable, you know, right now at even like an 87 to 89 win. Uh, and at that point, too, you get the three seed, which is good for them. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna say the Cardinals are back. I think they'll be just fine once we get into the summer. They're probably gonna have you know a ten ten out of eleven stretch or you know fourteen out of sixteen or something like that. Just gotta and, hope Milwaukee isn't doing the same exact thing because that tends to happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I think they'll be fine though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to New York and New York. Uh, both the Yankees and the Mets are starting to really pick it up we'll start off with the yankees 29 and 20 sitting at third in the division right now one eight out of the last 10 are the yankees back i'm gonna combine mine actually because i don't think i've changed my opinion on either team let me try to explain i don't think much of anything over these past couple weeks has actually changed i mean the mets called up brett Beatty, and the yankees 
I found out, have improved their advanced fielding metrics. But that's about it. Their expected record is the same within a game or two. I don't think there's any correlation to this hot streak. I think they just got lucky. So I'm going to you know, keep them at their whatever, six, seven seed potential, where I had them at a couple weeks ago when we talked about it. When you look at the Yankees, who I'm going to start with first, yeah. uh, I think the biggest you know, barometer for them is Aaron Judge. Because Aaron Judge needs to play like an MVP or better for them to even have a chance at winning the World Series this year, especially with all the injuries that they have going on right now. And over the last 15 days, Aaron Judge has an OPS over 1,400. He has been absolutely ridiculous over the last 15 days. And I think that's what's given them the Yankees are back type feel. Uh, Obviously, that won't, you know, he's not going to have a 1,400 OPS over the rest of the year because that's better than Bonds type numbers. But, you know, they'll sneak into a wild card spot. Uh, They're not going to be a team that misses the playoffs. Uh, unless some crazy things go on or Judge gets hurt or whatever. But if Judge plays the way that he has, you know, over the course of the season, over the rest of the year, yeah, Yankees will make the playoffs. And, and if you're considering that back, you know, then yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of the World Series, no, they're not back in, in that category. And then when you go ahead and look at the Mets, I think things are just starting to slowly come together for them. They've won us on five in a row. They're starting to kind of get into their, I don't know about roles, but like, you know, their situations and they're understanding yeah. what they got to do a bit better because Lindor is starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, Starling Marte is starting to get going. Brandon Nimmo is starting to get going a little bit. Pete Alonzo is starting to hit a ton of nukes. Uh, average still pretty low for him. Francisco Alvarez is starting to get going. Brett Beatty's contributing. Uh, and that's what, have made the Mets good over these past few years. They were in a spot where they didn't need people to go crazy in the lineup and, you know, carry the team for a week because one through nine, they are all above league average. And that's what gets the job done for the Mets. And when you do get, have one of those do get that gets hot and hits 400 over a span of two weeks. And, you know, it's a ton of homers. That's when the team gets really, really scary because they're able to win eight, nine, 10 in a row, whatever's going on there. And so I think we're starting to slowly see that for the Mets. But they're not winning the division because the Braves are the Braves. And uh, you know how things go for the Mets. It's not going to be like that for the rest of the year. So I guess, uh, yeah, the, you know, the one thing I, I didn't mention is in baseball, it's traditions outweigh advanced metrics. I guess that's the one thing I didn't didn't factor in. So if they're if the clubhouse is feeling themselves, absolutely. That could that could start a streak. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the Mets, you know, I see him winning above 90 games. And if you consider that back, then sure. If you don't, you know, then I guess no. Uh, but I think they'll be into the wild card spot at some point and, uh, you know, get into the playoffs no. and then probably lose in the wild card spot. So, yeah, sure, they're back. Uh, let's talk Shohei. Oh, yeah. And his potential trade because he's a free agent at the end of this year. It's an interesting dilemma for the angels because you can either there's a couple of different scenarios here. We'll talk to each of them. First of them is Shohei gets locked up and he, you know, is there in Los Angeles or Anaheim for the next, you know, nine to 10 years before he retires or whatever's going on. Uh, next one is he walks. The angels don't make the playoffs, whatever goes on. He walks away in free agency. Angels get nothing, and they're left absolutely devastated with the horrible farm system. 
And then at that point, does Mike Trout want to leave? Because he sees the writing on the wall there. Whatever happens, Shohei walks in that scenario. The other one is they trade him. You know, it's not going to be a popular move with the fan base, but they're going to get some crazy guys back. Even if, 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 if even if it is for a half a year of Shohei, they're going to get you know probably a top five prospect in baseball if that team that they're trying to trade to has that type of guy. And they're going to get some absolutely crazy return. Uh, so what do you think happens with Shohei? Do you think he gets traded? If so, where? Uh, and what do you think kind of happens with the Angels this year? First of all, Ozzy Albies just doubled, so take that. And back to Otani. Off a I'm, rookie who's in his first game. <laughs> I, I am really interested in, in what your package is going to be. But I think there's zero chance Otani's going to get traded. I don't think the Angels are going to care about whatever the prospect hall would be because they're just going to call those dudes up immediately and ruin them. <laughs> They've already done that with all their prospects. And uh, it's not like it'll make their lineup any better because the the real goal here is – here, let, let me just get into my scenario. You have to believe he's going to re-sign. It's very possible. He's a very nice guy. And historically, the guys who come over from other leagues, not even just Japan, usually stay a, another contract with the team that gave them their first shot. Um, I, I believe any, everyone's getting fired anyways if Otani leaves, uh, not even talking about Trout. So you get your shit together. At the deadline, you don't trade Otani. You get some some safer vets. You get some arms. And some guys who hit for contact, you get your shit together, you win 85 games, and you give Otani whatever he wants in December. That's what they should do. The Angels usually fuck these things up, but I think this is a win-win scenario for everybody, except for the A's. So what should they do? But what will they do, Skyler? Just cut them? Well, well yeah, they're, they're, I think they're just going to let them walk, honestly. But the, my scenario, I think, is a little better off for the Angels. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick a scenario that I think is better off for the Angels as well, too. Yeah. That's straighten Shohei. I think there is six potential teams that can go ahead and make a Shohei trade. And I guess I'll kind of walk through each of them with you. Okay. All righty. Scenario number one, the Minnesota Twins trade for Shohei Otani. This would make the Twins rotation Probably near the best in the MLB with the top three or, or even top four of Shohei, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, and Pablo Lopez. Pack would probably consist of Killeroff or Larnack uh, with Miranda, Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, Edward Julian, probably three or four of those guys. Uh, only problem is that, you know, the pitchers in there might be a little tough. Maybe you might even have to give up, you know, Johan Duran, a guy, a closer who's going to be there for a long time. So does that make it worth it for the twins? I don't know, but maybe they even get back a reliever in that trade as well, too. Uh, Interesting. however, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that one for both the teams, but that is an option for the yeah. angels to, to go there. Okay. Next one is the Orioles. They probably have the most enticing guy that you can get back for Shohei and Jackson Holiday right now, who has just became a super prospect. Uh, I know he's not the number one prospect right now. I don't think uh, with Jordan. Yeah. Jordan Walker's number one, according to MLB pipeline, 
But Jackson Holiday will be number one, whether that's the end of this year at the All Star break, whatever it is, because he's hitting 400. I'm really happy like for him, man. High I'm not. A, I'm no. I'm no hater of Drew Jones. I like him too, but I'm. I'm glad that Holiday got got the number one spot. Yeah. Sorry, keep but going. Holiday, Holiday's <laughs> absolute set is the point I'm trying to make. So you get him back, and with the Orioles, you know maybe you get Grayson Rodriguez, Heston Kerstad, Connor Norby, Dylan Beavers, whoever. Whoever you want to have in those, you know, two, three spots. I think that's a very enticing spot for the Angels. However, Baltimore sending him back would be probably the problem there because, mm. you know, they don't tend to spend that type of money. Look at Manny Machado uh, not getting the contract there and having to be sent off to uh, Los Angeles, actually. Uh, next yeah. one is Boston, uh, which is interesting because – I don't know how well he fits there, but Masataka Yoshida, a team He's teammate from pretty the well. WB, yeah. is going to be there, so that would help. Uh, and the Red Sox have a pretty enticing package that they can offer, led by Marcelo Meyer, who is the yeah. third or, or fifth highest prospect in the MLB right now. Uh, we'll probably see somewhere in there like a Brian Bello uh, come back to the angels uh, and even perhaps like Verdugo or Jared Duran or somebody like that, somebody who is controllable and going to have to be another all-star level player, young solid player uh, going back to the angels at that point. uh, Because besides Marcelo Mayer, I don't really see too many guys in their system that are super, super enticing to the angels and and what they're going to try to do, you know, after this, in this scenario, uh, but I still probably have the Orioles as the best option here if I'm the Angels and trying to get guys back. Next one would be an absolutely nightmare for baseball Twitter, but the New York Yankees are always going to be an option when it comes to this stuff. Uh, and that's because of their system. You know, Jason Dominguez would be the main guy you get back here, even though he's not really having a, a great year. I think the Yankees would have to give up a shit ton in their minor league system as well as probably even a Volpe. Or, you know, Glaber Torres as well, too, in that trade. Uh, Oswald Cabrera could be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Young pitchers isn't really, you know, their super forte, but maybe even a Luis Severino or somebody along those lines. But I'd probably see like a Volpe Dominguez type package or Peraza maybe in there as well, too, in that. Because, again, you know, even though they have some higher up prospects, it doesn't seem super, super enticing to me if I am a Angels uh gm because again their guy that they just brought up is a shortstop so why why would volpe even make sense there uh next one and the second to last one is gonna be the new york mets i still have the or the orioles as a top one and i think the mets make a lot of sense because you're probably looking at a Beatty, uh alvarez Alex Ramirez, who I think is really, really good and going to be a really fun time to watch. Ronnie Mauricio is another guy who could be in that trade. Mark Vientos. The Angels are going to want some some guys who are more MLB-ready type. And maybe Alex Ramirez isn't quite there, but Vientos, Alvarez, Beatty are definitely going to be guys that are on that level. Yeah, it'll be all uh, of them, too. <laughs> so I would say that's probably you know the second best. I still really yeah. like that Baltimore one because you're not getting any – any guy back in that trade who's at the Jackson Holiday, you know, possible perennial MVP type player with how mm. good he could be uh, as long as Shohei's on in his league. And then the last one that I think is really, really enticing. 
and there's a lot of spots, and this one makes the most sense because his best friend is on this team in Lars Newt Bar. That is the St. Louis Cardinals because they can offer the world for Shohei, and I think they do a great job of locking him up there as well, too. Uh, Jordan Walker, Nolan Gorman, yeah. uh, Tim Kent, Mason Wynn, Matthew Libertor, Gordon Grishepo, Sh- uh, Ivan Herrera, Joshua Baez, is a, <laughs> yeah, uh, Joshua Baez is another high-level prospect or high-ceiling uh, prospect that they could offer in that as well, too. Uh, just how much would that gut the, the Cardinals, though, uh, would be the interesting question. And are they willing to, you know, sacrifice a, a career of Jordan Walker and Nolan Gorman to yeah. have a guy like Shohei? Uh, and I think that becomes an interesting question. I think if I am the Angels, I yeah. think, and if I'm the Orioles GM and all this stuff too, I don't think I offer that package directly to the Angels because I think they probably know that you're not going to be able to lock Shohei up, giving him what fifty you know, 45, 50 million dollars a year, whatever it ends up being. Uh especially when it's you know, if it's for half of the season, it's just not worth it. But I think the Cardinals think the Cardinals can do it and I think they will do it. Uh I think, you know, it'd kind of suck as an A's fan, uh having to face Gorman and you know, uh Jordan Walker and all those dudes as they, you yeah. know, become really, really good. But I think it's the best way for the Angels to gain talent that they know is going to be good, and they're in a spot too where they're not going to rush these guys to the big league level because they are already at the big league level, even though Jordan Walker is in AAA. So I'm saying it does happen, and it happens with the Cardinals. And the Angels just completely change their trajectory of what they're doing. Uh, what Trout wants to do from there, we'll see. Maybe he wants to be a mentor for those dudes. Maybe he wants to go to Toronto or something, or Philly. Philly's an option for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm saying is happening to Shohei Otani. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for the baseball part of the show for now. So we'll move on to basketball. Right now, we have game four of the Eastern Conference Finals going on. So we'll start with the Eastern side. Uh, it's it's Rio on? Boston. It's on right now. Um, Miami's up 18 to 15 in the first quarter. It's a pretty slow, slow start so far. But let's let's start with the Celtics. It was a complete collapse in game three um, by the coaching staff and the stars too. Tatum and Brown were chucking up threes with like 16 seconds left on the shot clock and a blowout. They're not running real plays. And this kind of thing's been going on all playoff long. Uh, you know, not having a real coach, it doesn't help. But but I, I digress because if Jalen Brown leaves, there's going to be some some real changes here if the regime ever wants to get back to the finals. And do you think that this championship window is smaller than we thought because I, I really don't see them getting back even to the conference finals without making some big moves in in, in this next year. I think this roster is fine. Uh, I just think their championship window was going to be so much greater with Ime Odoka and the stuff that happened there obviously is unfortunate, I guess for him. Uh, but yeah, Joe Missoula just isn't that that level of a coach, and I know he's you know, super intelligent, all this stuff, but he's Ime Udoka was amazing for them, and he just got them right in so many ways. And unfortunately, I do think it is you know shorter than than what we thought it was going to be a year or two ago because they don't have Ime anymore, and he's not coming yeah. back. And I, I think T- Tatum, you know, is that 
it's an MVP level talent. And I think Jalen Brown is, you know, close yeah. to that, not at an MVP, but probably perennial all-star talent. And I think we'll probably see that over the years go by. Uh, and the role players, I mean, they're fucking good too. Like Robert Williams. Uh, Both Marcus Williams Smart, were awesome in the playoffs. Brogdon, those dudes, like they have solid role players yeah. who are going to fill out the rest of the lineup. Uh, it's just, it's not right with uh, Joe Missoula. It's got to be Ime. Yeah, I mean, if Al Horford is calling your plays and calling timeouts while he's also on the floor, not even in a player coach role, you got a major problem. But that's enough of Boston for now. Uh, they're not completely out, but let's talk about the Heat because they're a game away from being the second eight seed ever to make the finals. And that was the 98 Knicks in a lockout season, Kyle. So this will never happen again. And that's that's the question I want to ask you. Um, is this the biggest fluke in the world, or should we have seen this coming? Because Miami is good. They've done it before. W- which side are you on? I'm not saying it's a fluke, but I'm also not saying we should have saw this coming because when you look at you know previous years with Miami and what they've had going on, they've made runs, and they've made runs from the top you know one seed, two seed in the playoffs before. But when you watch how they played this year, there was no reason on why they should be back at this point. They were not good. They were losing games that they should not lose to. And it just didn't look good as an overall product in Miami. I think, I mean, obviously, I don't think this, I know this, that some flip yeah. switch just got flipped once they got to, you know, that second game of playing in Toronto or whatever, whoever they were playing, whoever they were playing. That seems like so long ago now at this point. Uh, but it switch got flipped and they got back into that playoff mode and they were completely fine. So I don't think we should have seen this coming. Uh, but I also don't think, you know, it's we're not saying like, oh, I mean, yeah, we're saying, oh, wow, Miami's here. But we know that they are capable of, you know, being making it this far. Sweeping Boston, you know, might be a bit much, uh, but still, it's crazy to think. <laughs> Uh, I think Eric Spolstra is probably the best coach in the league by a decent margin. Yeah. And no. um, it, just that alone makes me think that this kind of thing will never happen again. Because even Eric Spolstra, he wasn't coaching right away. He's behind Pat Riley forever. And that's that's where he got all the knowledge from. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from these guys. It, it was it was awesome. Even though Miami got insanely lucky with matchups and transactions. I mean, how was Caleb Martin just there for you to pick up? He was so good in college and, and, you know, shot pretty well in Charlotte too. I know you're giving me a weird look, but I've always been a Caleb Williams guy. And, you know, same, same for for Gabe Vincent. They've been good. It sounded like at first you're going in the way that they like the teams that they're playing. I'm like, well, they played. No, I just thought we should mention it. They weren't at full strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But still a crazy run. I'm happy for him. Yeah, that's the Eastern Conference. So let's might as well go and and talk about uh, what everyone's been talking about. The Lakers got swept four games to none to Denver. It, uh, an amazing game four performance from LeBron James, but it's just a little too little, too late in my opinion. Who do you think's to blame for for this this sweep? You know, superstars usually don't get sweeped. Why do you think this happened? It's got to be the two dudes. It's got to be Braun and it's got to be AD. Uh, 
I know LeBron, you know, had a crazy game four and did all this stuff, but you know, you're LeBron James. Like if you truly are who you say that you are being the best basketball player of all time, you don't lose back-to-back games, closeout games at your home court, you know, in games three and game four, obviously game three wasn't a closeout game, but game four ended up being one because they didn't win in game three. Uh, and then when you're AD, man, I mean, I know you're doing all that you can against Jokic, but you got to be more than that, man. You got to be more than what all you can do. And I know that makes no sense at all. But how else are you going to win against a team like like the Nuggets? And I know, you know, Jamal Murray played this, you know, out-of-body series where he was averaging 32.5 points per game and be acting as if he was like, you know, one of the best players in the world. I mean, he is, but you know, not that. Yeah. He's not MJ. Know, upper, upper, upper tier, tier player. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you, you can blame your perimeter defense, who, the guys you've had Gardner and Reeves, D'Lo and, you know, all that stuff there, but I'm saying it's an on, on LeBron and uh, AD. I got an interesting take for this one because the Lakers, you know, the, they weren't going to win this series. Um, it, it's not, it wasn't lucky for Denver. It, it is some of the players' fault. But I'm going with Michael Malone is the one to blame for the Lakers season to be over because he's such a great coach. You know, I, I mentioned Spolstra. I, I really think Michael Malone probably number three right now behind Spolstra and Kerr. I, I haven't you know, dove in too deep about it. That could be a conversation for another day, but um, the Lakers never quit. Uh, so I, I, I can't blame them. I, I think they, they should have ran some more low posts with Davis and Braun until waiting until there's a minute left in each half. That's always what they do. And it's so dumb. I mean, you got two of the best low post players ever. You just ignore it. Um, so go get Kyrie. Because I guess what I'm trying to say is I think this team could could still do something similar next year. All right. Yeah, I sorry. mean, maybe Brown retires. You That's know, true, too. We've been seeing that too. stuff today. Does he retire? Does he, you know, take a year off, go watch Brownie play at USC, and then come back in the year after that? I mean, I don't really know exactly how that works with his contract because, you know, if that year, like – if he doesn't play that year, then I don't think it gets taken off his contract. And at some point, you know, they got to give the rights or whatever, all this stuff. Cause he obviously wants to play with the son and, you know, we haven't yeah. seen the last LeBron. So I don't think uh, people should be worried about that. Uh, but I mean, does he take this year vacation to kind of pull a Jordan, you know, but, uh, interesting. I don't know. Jordan's my goat. So I got, well, like we've been saying, it's not over yet. It's there's there's still you know games for Boston to be playing, but they're they're not coming back three zero. It it will never happen. Uh, if they didn't quit last game and stole game three and made it two one, they definitely had a chance. But no, so it's Denver and Miami in the finals. That's what it is. That's what it's going to be. So we're gonna make our predictions. Um, you want to go first? I'm a bit hesitant right now because, okay, I can go first. you know, technically the series won't start until after our next episode. Oh, so you don't even, you don't want to, 
I see. I I haven't I haven't put my eggs in any basket yet. So Let me I, tell I me what I'm really thinking though. Where I'm at. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so where I'm thinking is this one's going to be a doozy for sure. Some really fast-paced offenses. Obviously not Kansas City or not Kansas City. Jesus, they moved to Sacramento a long time ago. Sorry, Kings. Um, but Miami's been here before, uh, specifically Spolstra, at least five times. So right now I'm leaning towards giving Miami the nod. You can't ask Jamal Murray to score 30 points per game again. That shit's not going to work against Miami. You know, they even lost a couple of those games to the Lakers after having massive leads. Um, so I'm leaning Miami. I, I, I don't even know yet, man. I've been, I've been thinking about this last couple of days, obviously, since it kind of yeah. became 3-0 in both series, but I, I don't have a conclusion yet. So you're okay. going to have to wait till next week. I, I, again, I'm sorry for jumping the gun. I was just you're really fine. excited talking about the series. Uh, usually that, get, yeah, that's... you know, nine day breaks between games. <laughs> I forgot about that too. 10 days for, uh, for Denver rest. Boston, sorry, Miami. If they win tonight, they get nine days. That's what Kyle's referring to, and and yeah, that's that's it for basketball. Um, we're down to three teams right now. Could be two after tonight. Should be a good finish either way. Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and move into our bets and stuff over the last uh, week and a half now. At this point, uh. Last week, my lap was wrong. I had AZ over Pittsburgh on Friday. Uh, Pirates won like 13 to 3 in that game. Just not a good game for the Pirates or, or for the, not the Cardinals. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. For the Diamondbacks, not a good game for them. Uh, Skeller had the Mets over Cleveland on Saturday, except it wasn't a game on Saturday because it got postponed. So yeah. they played two on Sunday. Uh, the Mets won both of them. So mm-hmm. I was referring to Scherzer, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this week I have Tampa Bay over Toronto on Wednesday. That is a Shane McClanahan start. Uh, yeah, so give me that. And I'm looking at your layup right now. Is yeah. this referring to what I think you're referring to? Uh, yes. Yes, I got uh, Houston, the Astros. They're going to beat the Las Vegas A's on Saturday. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do WNBA. Oh, no, 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 no. What is that? What kind of fraud are you, Skyler? Again, you know, uh, not as bold as Kyle's layup, but it's a layup for a reason, and this game is here. They're playing it. Every other game, very good matchup. Framber Valdez against the A's. Uh, A's have a great lineup, but, um, you know, Framber what destroys the division. What are you talking about Las Vegas? Oh, I was just joking. <laughs> Look how funny it is. All right. Let's keep moving. So funny. Last week, bull prediction. I had the heat to the finals. Uh it's very lightly green on our spreadsheet right now. It's not white and it's not, you know, the bold green that we usually have. Yeah. But it's light green because you know it's it's starting to come in on in there. Uh Skeller had the Diamondbacks over Pittsburgh on Saturday. Also, Kyle doesn't like it, happen. but technically yeah. Pittsburgh was favored because Mitch Keller's been balling. But Arizona, Brandon Fat beat him. I'm happy for him. Uh, sorry, sorry, Kyle. I know you're not a fan of that pick. Screwed me over from this layup this week, man. I'm not, I'm not liking that. 
This week, though, uh, I have Aaron Judge homering tomorrow uh, against Tyler Wells, a guy who he has three homers and 19 at-bats against. Uh, Judge has been on an absolute tear. So Aaron Judge, homers on Wednesday. I got Tampa Bay winning at home against the Dodgers and Kershaw. And it's another situation where, you know, it may not be the most bold pick ever, but getting Tampa Bay as an underdog at home is kind of crazy to me. So why wouldn't I jump on that? Kershaw has been awesome. Sub three ERA, probably a Sierra too. <laughs> Shout out Sierra. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm crazy. We're almost done. We're so close, Kyle. So Tampa is going to pull out some magic against Kershaw and beat him. That's the bone prediction. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for episode 141. Uh, I guess we will see you all next week for episode 142. Jackie Robinson episode. Yeah. Plus 100. Full finals prediction. Third baseman. And are, is New York seven. still back? I'm sure we'll still be talking about that. All right. See you guys next week.